0: We started a series last Sunday entitled Restoring Rhythms. We're going to continue with that today. Uh, started by mentioning that life is full of rhythms and over the course of this last year we've seen so many of those rhythms interrupted because of the pandemic and the circumstances uh, that we've just found ourselves in. The routines of going to work, going to school, going to church, spending time with family and friends. Even today it's Super Bowl Sunday and that, that you know the norm would be you get together with a big crowd of people but those crowds are now smaller and households are gathering it's a weird rhythm it's a different rhythm it's something that we're not used to uh, for some even maybe you i've i found myself at times going what day of the week is it kind of losing track of time and these rhythms and and the lack of rhythm rather can really have an impact in our lives ask this question last week I'm going to ask this again uh, but which of rhythms have you missed the most or which rhythms have been the hardest to adjust to over the season and if you want you can hop into the chat section and comment there and let us know a few of you commented last week but which of the rhythms uh, ha- which rhythms have you missed the most over this last year what what has been the biggest uh, adjustment for you all of these disruptions really take a toll on us they take a toll on our, our emotions on our relationships they can take a toll on us physically and they can take a toll on our lives spiritually that a lack of rhythm can really impact every part of our lives i've seen it in my own life i've seen it in our home uh, and, and, you know, sometimes you can just kind of get into a funk. You can just get into a place where, uh, you're just kind of, eh, <laughs> it's, no words, just, eh, <laughs> and it's, and it's just hard and you might feel stuck You just feel down, even sad or, or depressed or lonely, and I'd asked last week, kind of at the end of the service, if you would take an inventory. And I encourage you, if you've not had a chance to do this, to take an inventory of your life, to look at what are some of those rhythms, to sit back and take stock. What are some of the rhythms that have gotten out of whack in your life? To talk it over with your family, with your spouse, with your kids, with a friend, uh, to, to just discuss it. And mo- most importantly, to do this, to get with God, to spend time with Him and say, Lord, where are my rhythms Uh, out of whack? Where are the the places in my life that need to find a restoration of rhythms? Uh, I made this statement last Sunday, and I'll keep repeating this throughout, but uh, I I really feel like this was something that the Lord impressed on my heart. So often, at the beginning of the year, we start out the year by setting resolutions. We say, these are the things that I want to accomplish, and some of them might be realistic. Some of them might be kind of out of reach but it's these goals right and setting goals is a great thing but i don't know about you but so often by the the, the first or second week of january or by the f- first second week of february some of those resolutions uh, are already off track and so my encouragement is this and i think i i feel like the lord would encourage us to do as a church is to establish healthy rhythms over setting resolutions so rhythms over resolutions rhythms over resolutions because i believe that when we set healthy rhythms the things that we want to set resolutions for will come into alignment Uh, i think sometimes that setting resolutions really becomes more of a band-aid rather than treating some of the underlying issues whereas rhythms would really allow us to go a little deeper and that's really Uh, I believe God's heart for us as we move into this year and into this series. Really discovering, God, where is it that my rhythms need to be restored, where things need to become healthy again in the way that I engage you, where I engage uh, my work, my family, my friends, uh, just physically. What does that need to look like in my life? And so we're going to focus today On this worshiping rhythm. I mentioned four last week, four of the rhythms that that we need to have in our lives. Worship, rest, relationship, and then activity. Worship, rest, relationship, and activity. Each one of those has a rhythm. We talked about how God worked for six days and then rested on the seventh and then told the Israelites, you shall labor for six days, but on the seventh day, you must rest and so there's place for work and activity but there's also place for rest and there's always place for relationship but the most important thing is this is that we have to have place for our time with god to worship him to be with him and by worship i don't mean just singing songs i mean living a life of worship a life that engages god we read this passage out of luke chapter 5 last week. It says this of Jesus in verse 15, Yet the news about him, about Jesus, spread all the more, so that the crowds of people came near to him to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. There was this rhythm to Jesus' life where he would pull away, where he would go off by himself, to be with the Father, to pray. And just like those who were baptized today followed the example of Jesus or being baptized in water, and we're actually gonna read that passage here in a few minutes, that, that we would follow the example of Jesus in retreating and finding places, regular rhythms, to be with the Father. But I wanna make this statement. It's not just important that we spend time with God. And it and it is important that we do. But it's not just important that we spend time with God; it's important how we spend time with God as well. The how is just as important. I can spend time with my wife; I I can be in the same room or even present with her on a on a date. But I can be miles away. I can be physically present, but emotionally. And relationally detached, and so the how of we, of how we engage people is important, and the how of how we come to the Lord is equally important. I think so often we default to certain methodologies, to certain systems in in the how. Uh, and especially as it, as it relates to prayer and worship and reading and uh, quiet time. That was a, a phrase used when I was growing up in church, that you have to have your quiet time. I'm, I'm an extrovert. The idea of quiet time uh, is kind of freaks me out a little bit. Now, as I've matured over the years, I've learned how to retreat and have times of silence, but, but that didn't fit my soul. It didn't fit my temperament. Uh, you, our, our methods of silence and solitude and service and giving and even worshiping together uh, in a corporate setting on, on a Sunday, we can default to those methods or even feel a, a certain sense of legalism, like you have to read this much, pray this much. you have to, It has to look this way and it has to be prescribed. But can I tell you today, there's no one size fits all approach. There's no one, one size fits all approach. See, you are unique. Didn't know if you knew that, but you are unique. I am unique. Our, our personalities, our temperament, our learning style, uh, the things that fill us with joy, the things that, 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 that fill our hearts and our souls, that, that energize us, it's all different. Every one of us is different and why while there might be some similarities I might be so, so similar to someone else, and you might be so similar to someone else, even there there 's little differences there 's differences in our experience and how we 've been raised and trained and uh, there's uh, there 's differences in our assumptions about who God is and and, sh- and, uh, and how we 've been shaped and, and created and uh, the the truth is that there's this incredible complexity and this incredible beauty in the way that we relate to each other, the way that the, the 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 diversity of of personalities and temperament and style and all of these things really is a compliment. It it adds beauty and dimension to the world. Could you imagine if everyone was the same? The world would be so boring, that we would it would just be mechanical. But God is built into his creation and into us this this diversity of thinking, this diversity of personality, of cultures. And and as we come together, as our lives overlap, something emerges that is life-giving, it's rich, it's beautiful, and and and, and there's just this incredible overlap in the way that we relate to each other. And the same is true about our relationship with God, that we can't come to God expecting that that he would meet us in a way that doesn't fit or doesn't match or doesn't meet us where we are, that fits and meets our personality and our temperament. How crazy would it be to think that God who created us would try and relate to us in a way that, that we don't understand, that he would speak to us in a language that doesn't make sense to us, that we don't understand that he speaks your language. He speaks your emotional language. He speaks your intellectual language. He wants to meet you where you are. See, this complexity and the beauty of relationships and, and, and people that we see in the world is also true when it comes to our relationship with God. In fact, the Bible tells us that we are made in the image of God. Genesis 126 says this, the first part of the verse. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. That God is not one, that in the Godhead, in what we call the Trinity, there is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And right from Genesis chapter one, we see that. They are in relationship with each other. God is having a conversation with himself. And it's not just the way that you and I would talk to ourselves, that God is three persons, three distinct persons in one, in perfect relationship, in perfect love, in perfect harmony. And in the midst of this love and this agreement that God had there says, let us make mankind in our image. So we are made in this image of God which means that we are made with a capacity for relationship. We're made with a capacity for our lives to intersect each other, for there to be this love and this agreement. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. See, the word Trinity doesn't appear in the Bible. It doesn't appear in the Bible. But the picture of a triune God certainly does. The picture of God the Father, God the Son, who is Jesus and God the Holy Spirit. We see pictures of the Trinity, of this triune God, the three in one, throughout Scripture. And one of the clearest places we see it is here in Matthew chapter 3, verses 16 through 17. And it says this And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. And behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending. Like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice said, A voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. We see this picture here, a clear picture. We have Jesus, who is God the Son, Emmanuel, incarnate in the flesh in this world, coming to the Jordan River to be baptized by his cousin John the Baptist. Setting that example again for us to be baptized in water, this picture of an outward expression of the faith that we have in God. Also a picture of this purification, of this cleansing work that God does in our hearts and in our lives. And as Jesus is baptized, he comes out of the water It says that the heavens were opened and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, takes on the form of a dove and descends upon and comes to rest upon Jesus. And so we have Jesus and we have the Holy Spirit and then we have God the Father. We have the three distinct parts of the, the triune God right here. The voice of the Father calls from heaven and says this, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. My beloved Son there is this care, there is this this love, there is this intimacy that's expressed as we see the three in one in this moment. Throughout history, theologians and scholars and teachers and well-intentioned people have tried to use different metaphors to describe the Trinity, and maybe you've heard of some of them, the the three-leaf clover and the states of water and the egg and the apple and there's 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 all different ones that have been used and and some of them do a better job and some of them quite quite honestly are, are inaccurate uh, none of them can fully capture and, and really describe the essence of what the trinity is and the perfect relationship and the oneness that exists the 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 tension there between the dis, the, the the distinct persons of the the godhead and then the way that they are one and they work together. Uh, in fact, some of those are quite inaccurate and and doctrinally wrong. And so we have to be really careful when we try to describe God because he's he's made himself known, but he's not fully knowable. And, and this is one of the mysteries. But what I love about Scripture is that though we cannot fully wrap our minds around what the Trinity is and how God uh, exists the way he does... What we do see is the evidence of how God moves how God moves. So we see here in Matthew chapter three, we see the the presence of the son who has come to earth to save those who were lost, to come and seek and save and redeem mankind. We see the, the Holy Spirit coming upon Jesus to empower him. At this point, Jesus hadn't started his, his formal ministry. And in this moment, he is empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we hear the pleasure of the father and, and catch this church. God is pleased with Jesus before he did the work he was sent to accomplish. That God is pleased with the Son before he ever accomplishes anything. And some of you need to hear this today. Some of you have come to believe that God's love for you is is really dependent on what you do, how you perform. And what we can see clearly here is that God's love is not restricted by that. God loves you not because of what you do. He loves you because of who you are. And we have to grasp a hold of that. So these metaphors really fall short, but one of the favorite pictures that I have of the way that God uh, really engages with himself is the picture of dancing, that God dances, God dances. I want to I show you this in Scripture, and we're going to talk a little bit about what that means. You might be wondering, what does this mean about restoring rhythms? We're getting there because I think there's something really beautiful about what God invites us into. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4 through 6. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 6. Uh, and this is what it says. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Varieties of gifts, same Spirit. Varieties of service, same Lord. Varieties of activities, but the same God. And again, we see a picture of the Spirit. We see the picture of the Lord, Jesus. And we see the picture of the Father. All of them functioning in different ways, gifts, service, and activities, that there is, a, there is a movement here that we see as Paul describes the work of the Trinity and the way that God engages with his creation. As God engages with us, he's engaging with himself, that God is, is in this partnership with himself in this beautiful relationship that then empowers our lives, Early theologians early the early church theologians used this picture of dancing in fact, there is this word perichoresis, perichoresis. it 's a picture of a dance where uh, multiple people two or uh, two or three where two people would grab hands or three or or even five or ten people would grab hands in a circle, and that they would start moving together in step to the music. And, and maybe you've seen some of these dances that are popular in places like Greece where, uh, or in Israel where they would dance in a circle and there would be this movement. And as the music would speed up, that the, that the people would move in step with that and start moving faster and faster. And if you were standing on the outside, the picture would be this, that eventually they would be moving in such a way that they would start blurring into each other, that they would be moving in such a way that they started to look Like one. Now, again, every analogy that we use to try and describe the Trinity will always fall short. So this is not a perfect analogy, just like the other is not a perfect analogy. But there's a there's something about this picture of the dance that I love. It does something in my soul, and I hope it does in yours as well. That there is this partnership and there is this rhythmic movement that happens with the Trinity that it's not, it's not rigid, it's very fluid. And as the Spirit moves, Jesus responds and the Father responds. And as the Father would move, that Jesus responds and the Spirit responds. and, and that they, And they just are in this rhythm with each other as they work in the world. We see that the Father sent the Son. For God so loved the world that he sent the Son, and that Jesus came into the world at the command of the Father, but ministered under the power of the Holy Spirit, and then says to, to the disciples, and by extension to us, it's for your benefit that I go, because when I go, that the Father will send the Spirit. So Jesus creates a way for the Father to send the Spirit, who then comes into our lives to empower and so there's this partnership and this movement and this agreement that takes place within the godhead and as they do as they dance that there's this blurring that you say well where does one end and the other the other start and and the 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 the, the answer is we don't know we know that there are certain functions that scripture attributes to each to each person of the of the godhead but we also know there's overlap. You might say, well, who do I pray to? Do I pray to the Father, the Son, and the or the Holy Spirit? And I would say we pray to all three. I, I think there needs to be an awareness if I'm praying and addressing the Father, that I address the Father. If I'm praying and addressing Jesus, that I would address, address Jesus. And, uh, and when I'm praying to the Spirit, that I would pray. But they're all God. They're all God. And we can pray and engage in relationship with all three as they engage with us. So we see the father the spirit and the son and the spirit moving together as one. They are distinct and they are one and they move together in perfect love, in perfect humility, in perfect service. They they love each other perfectly. In fact that the statement in scripture says that God is love would not be possible if God was singular. God is love is only possible because of the plural, plural, plurality, because there is the three in one, because there are uh, the distinct persons in the trini- Trinity. There's perfect humility that they serve each other. They work in step with each other, that they, they honor each other in their distinct roles. And there's perfect service that they, in that in the unique uh, the unique gifting in the way that they're designed, in the way that they're, they're, they function, that they serve each other. The father serves the son. The, the father, uh, rather the son serves the father and the father serves the son and the son serves the spirit. And, and there's this incredible service as they serve together uh, and, and move in the world and in our lives. So there's this beautiful picture of the dance, this incredible picture of dancing. But here's the great thing. God invites you to dance. As He is moving, as the as the Godhead is moving, and there's this beautiful dance that's taking place, He invites you into the dance. He invites you into this rhythm, into this, this holy rhythm, this holy movement that exists between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He invites you to partner, to join with him, with them in this in this. Uh, in this dance, in this glorious, beautiful, uh, loving embrace in this dance. He says, come, join, be a part of it. So I believe this is something important for us to catch. I think so often that we can see God view him as a divine drill instructor. You know, the picture of the drill instructor is just yelling and there's spit flying out of his mouth and he's angry and he's got that big old hat on and he's shouting out commands. I think sometimes we have this picture of God being a drill instructor who's just angry all the time and just wants to tell you what to do. But I believe a better picture of the way God engages our lives is that of a dance partner. So God is a better dance partner than he is a drill instructor. This is the way that he engages our lives. He wants to be in this beautiful dance with us. He is a loving God who longs for a deeper relationship with you. He, he doesn't want to just command and, and give you rules. He wants to be in an intimate, flowing, life-giving relationship with you. And there's place for discipline, absolutely. That's part of a loving relationship, that there's correction and there's discipline, but it's always through love. It's always through love. It's always through relationship. It's always going to have that rhythm. I mean, here's the beautiful thing about God is he meets you where you are. So going back to the uniqueness of who you are, God will always meet you where you are. I don't know how many of you love to dance or, or will go out. I know someone commented even last week, one of the things they missing they miss in this season is being able to go, uh, go dance every weekend. Um... There are different kinds of dance. If you you know this, uh, there's there's different styles of dance. Different, you know, you you've got ballet. You've got uh, right. You can do the twist. You can do ballroom dancing and the waltz. Uh, you can do the salsa. You can. There's a hip hop. There's all different styles of dancing. Modern dance. There's. It's just all. You can do line dancing. It goes on and on. You get the point. There's a lot of different styles of dancing. We also understand this, that there's different complexities of dances that you can do. That you don't, if, if you're learning to dance, you don't start out trying to learn how to swing dance. You will hurt yourself. You learn w- by learning basics, the basic steps and basic movements, and you build up the coordination and the skill and the, st- a- 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 and, and the rhythm that you need to be able to move with a partner and being able to dance well. God meets you where you are. Here's the thing, God isn't gonna invite you into a waltz if all you know how to do is a two-step. If all you can do is just kind of move from side to side and just sway, God's not gonna try and invite you into something that's beyond where you are. Now, his invitation to us is to grow and to move in, in ever-increasing maturity and, 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 and depth with him. But he'll always start where we are. And here's the other picture in dance that's so powerful in this analogy is that when you're dancing, there's usually someone who leads and the the one that follows. And as we're invited into this dance with God, and he says, I will lead you, that I will move with you in such a way that you will be able to follow my lead. I think sometimes in our, our Christian walk, what we do is try and discern, God, what is your will? like it's a a street sign or a road map. God, would you just show me where I'm supposed to go today? Would you just give me a sign, give me a sign? And God's saying, I, I want to give you a sign. I want to dance with you, and I want to lead you in the rhythm of your life and in the intimacy of the moment as you are close to me and you feel my heartbeat, as you, as you sense the Father, the Son, and the Spirit all at work in your life, and there becomes this, this rhythm, which, by the way, one of the, the beautiful things here." is that it then becomes, it's not just you being in relationship with the Father and dancing with the Father, but you then become a part of a larger dance with, with those that you're closest to, with your church family, and even globally, we dance together with the global church as we sense and discern the heart of God. John fifteen nineteen through 20, I wanna read these verses. This again is an example out of the life of Jesus and it says this, starting in verse 19 Jesus gave them this answer Very truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes. And he will show him even greater works than these so that you will be amazed. If this isn't a a perfect picture of the dance, I don't know what is. So here's Jesus telling the disciples, listen, I'm I'm telling you, I don't do anything on my own. I only do what the Father tells me to do. And remember, we said that Jesus withdrew often to places where he would pray and he would be with the Father. And in the midst of that, and out of those, those times where they would dance with each other, where they would be with each other, the Father would bring direction. He would tell the Son, this is what you need to do. And so Jesus says to them very clearly, I can't do anything by myself. I can only do what the Father does. I can only do what the father does, because whatever the father does, the son also does, that Jesus follows the steps of the father as they dance together. But then in verse 20, and this is key, he says, the father loves the son. The father loves the son and shows him all he does. It doesn't say that the father has this directive and there's this purpose and there's these goals that need to be achieved. So I'm going to tell you what you need to do so you can get the job done. No, it says the father loves the son. And we see this picture of this intimate relationship that exists. And out of this, the father says, because I love you, I'm going to show you everything you do that I, I, I do. And then Jesus goes on to saying, he will show him even greater works that there's an ever-increasing depth and greatness to that partnership, to that to that 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 dance, as Jesus and the Father come together, and then as we are invited, that the same would be true for us, that God says, I will show you even greater things. I will bring greater revelation. But here's the thing, church, we've gotta find that rhythm of dancing with God. Now, you might go, I'm not a dancer. This analogy isn't just, it's just not working for me, Pastor Barry. And that's okay. That's okay. You might not be a dancer. I'm not a dancer. I don't know how to dance to save my life. But the point here is this. God will meet you where you are. He'll meet you where you are. We're we're not all painted with the same brush. We're not all the same. So coming back to this, we're unique. And so the question would be this. When and where do you feel closest to God? What does it look like in your life to be close, to be with Jesus, to, to withdraw, to be alone with the Father, to, to spend time with the Spirit. What does that look like in your life? Maybe even thinking back over your life, going, wh- where are the places where you have felt the closest, where you felt the presence of God, where you just felt that, 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 that hug, that embrace, that rhythm, that, that life, that, that joy filling your soul? For some of you, it might be in nature saying, I've got to be outside. I've got to go be in the trees and by a creek and hiking on a trail or sitting on a beach or looking at a mountain. I've got to be outside. I've got to be in nature. That's the place where I encounter God the most. For some of you, it might just be quiet and solitude. You need that prayer closet. You need that place where you shut the door. And there's no, no one around, no distraction, and you're just able to get on your knees and focus. For some of you, it's music. There's some of you that are worshipers, that you're like, I've just got to have music going 24-7. When music is on, I experience the presence of God the most. For some, it's study, that, that you need to be in the Word, and you need to, to not just read a passage, but you need to read a book and understand the, the history and the background and the, the th- theological imp- implications of, of what that is. And when you're, when you're studying, that's the place where you feel God the most. Some of you are morning people and some of you are better at night and, and, and on and on it goes. So the point is this, where do you encounter God the most? And, and it might change. It might be different. It's been different in different seasons of my life. It's been different. The, uh, like I said earlier, the idea of a quiet time for me was, uh, it was life-sucking, not life-giving and so I found that I had to be, I had, my hands had to be active. If I was at my workbench in my garage and I had some music going or I was listening to the audio Bible, that, that the Lord would speak to me and meet me in that place. I've come to love being in nature, sitting on the beaches, very often a place where the Lord will just start just pouring out His love and speaking to me and just experiencing His presence. So the question is, when and where do you feel closest to God? And whatever the answer is to that, whatever that place looks like, develop that rhythm. Start there. Start with that thing. And we're gonna talk about prayer. We're gonna talk about reading. We're gonna talk about worship and, and, and fasting and, and all of these things. But I wanna, I wanna say this before we press into some of these spiritual disciplines, that none of these are meant to be legalistic they're meant to be enjoyed they're meant to be enjoyed as we are invited into this dance with the, the with the godhead to move in rhythm with god to say lord i want to engage you i want to be with you and i think so often what happens in our in our christian walk is is we feel like we're failing because we're not checking the boxes and god's going i don't want you to check boxes i just want you to be with me i want to invite you into my presence, into this love relationship, into this place of service and humility and care as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit engage with us. There's room for all of us to grow in all areas of spiritual disciplines. But the thing is, some of us try the more complex dance steps before we've mastered the basics. And so as we go through this series, especially as we talk about spiritual disciplines, would you just constantly come back to this place where you're going, I need to be dancing with God. God, would you teach me how to dance? Would you show me how to dance with you? And as we do, that we would fall more, more in love with him, that we would experience his love to a greater degree than ever before. Let's pray as we close. Father, I thank you that you are not a distant God, that you are not removed from our lives, but you are intimately involved in every part of who we are. And so, Lord, I pray as we go through this series and through this year, God, that we would experience your presence. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful picture that exists in scripture of the way that you relate to yourself within the Godhead. And God, I thank you that you invite us into that relationship, that you invite us to be a part of what you are doing, that we get to dance with you. So Lord, teach us to dance. Lord, meet us where we are. I pray this week for every person watching, every person listening, God, that they would find time to be in your presence in a way that brings joy and life and empowerment. Thank you, Lord, that we get to enjoy you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen bless you. I'm praying for you this week. Don't forget about our Wednesday night prayer walks. Take an hour on Wednesday evening. Go walk around your neighborhood. Pray for your neighbors. Pray for your neighborhood. Go pray over the schools in your community. Pray that God would lead people to Jesus and that it would be opportunities for for you to share your faith. You are loved. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next time.